Welcome to the Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics podcast. The Iowa Academy is an affiliate of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. We are a nonprofit organization with over 900 members, including registered dietitians, dietetic technicians, and dietetic students. We promote and enhance our profession through activities, conferences, and more to help improve the lives of Iowa citizens through evidence-based practices. This podcast will highlight upcoming events and how being a part of the Iowa Academy can help you grow as a professional through continuing education, networking, and serving in a leadership role. We offer scholarships, awards, and grants to recognize great leaders for the profession and provide them with funds to assist them in meeting their career goals. Head over to eatrightiowa.org for more information. And now, let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Allison St. Germain, and today we have with us Katie Sorrell. She is a registered dietitian with Iowa State University Extension and Outreach, overseeing food pantry coaching and a donation gardening program as the Policy Systems and Environmental Change Coordinator. And Katie has two decades of experience with SNAP-Ed funding at Iowa Department of Public Health and University of California, San Diego. SNAP-Ed aims to help make the healthy choice the easy choice for individuals with low income. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thanks, Allison. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to get into some of this information here and help us learn about Iowa a little bit better and the food security problems. So just to get us warmed up, how did you become interested in dietetics? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm a native Iowan. So growing up, food was a big part of our large extended family gatherings. So food always was a high value in my family. And my mom was a home ec teacher and later involved a lot in 4-H and worked at the state 4-H office. And she was fascinated by food science. So she really put that like desire for knowledge of how things cook and how you know, bread rises. She really taught me a lot about food science. But I think the first time I remember being really um, interested in nutrition was in fourth grade. I did my 4-H presentation, my very first one on English muffin pizzas. And I talked about how they were healthy and, you know, a quick thing you could make for dinner. So that was my first memory of really being interested in nutrition. And, you know, as I grew up and went through junior high and high school, my life experiences was that when people eat well and are active, they feel good about themselves. And so I went to Iowa State on that premise that I wanted to help people feel good about themselves. And as we will learn, you know, throughout this podcast, that view has definitely changed. But that was my um, that was my reason for going into dietetics at Iowa State. And I absolutely love that memory of 4-H and the English muffin pizza. <laughs> hearing these stories. And each person I ask, it's always a very unique individual story. So that's really cool. And so you went to Iowa State then for your undergrad? Yep. I went to Iowa State for my undergrad. And then I did my dietetic internship at San Diego State University in San Diego. Oh, wonderful. I absolutely love San Diego. I think it's just beautiful there. And the weather is amazing. But then you came back to Iowa. 
Yes, I came back to Iowa. Yeah, my very first job, I the San Diego State internship was part time, and I I got a job at UC San Diego. I was a nutrition educator, so I started my my career as a nutrition educator in in elementary schools where there was high poverty in the schools and in the communities. So I would come in and would be the fun nutrition educator. And I just loved it. So that was my very first job. And while I was there, uh, we received a grant at UC San Diego for a regional nutrition network. So I directed um, our region's nutrition network and we did policy systems and environmental changes in schools and work sites and farmers markets and retail stores. It was so fun. And so I was in San Diego for a while and then I came back to Iowa and I worked at the Iowa Department of Public Health as their social marketing coordinator. Mm -hmm. And then my family and I moved all over the world and I went back to San Diego. I worked for UC San Diego again, um, doing policy changes in faith communities. And, uh-huh. and now we're back in Iowa. So I'm, I'm here with Iowa State Extension and Outreach um, as the policy systems and environmental change coordinator. And you mentioned, Allison, about food pantry coaching and donation gardening. And those are my two mm-hmm. main projects I work on. I absolutely love that. Um, part of it is because part of my role at Iowa State University is I'm one of the advisors for SHOP, which is our food pan- pantry on campus. And that stands for Students Helping Our Peers. So I'm really excited to hear more about the food pantry coaching because I feel like we need to start collaborating on a few things. Yes. And the students that are involved with SHOP are absolutely incredible. I've met with some of them and they They are just doing such a great job and so passionate about helping their fellow students. Oh, I know. And it's growing so much. So I just started, um, well, actually, it's coming up on my year anniversary in this role with student wellness. And part of that role is with SHOP. And so it has, but see, I've been at Iowa State for over 10 years. So I knew of the SHOP. But when I first knew of it, it was just in a little closet over in the food science building. Mm -hmm. But it's expanded so much that it now looks like a little grocery store. We're over in Byer Hall and it's grow. It started as a learning community and to see it grow to what it has today, um, students really have something to be proud of. So that's really exciting. And such a need on campus, right? Like college students have one of the highest rates of food insecurity of any people group. Well, and that is so surprising for a lot of people because they think, oh, well, you know, if you go to college, you have money because you're going to college. And that is not true at all. Um, And as we all know, education is super expensive to even get the degree, plus just, you know, the cost of living. So, yeah, it is really and looking, I think Iowa State, I'm trying to remember the exact percentage. The last survey was 31% mm-hmm. of the college population here at Iowa State is food insecure. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of led to your passion working in policy and environmental things? Yeah. Well, my very first job when I was a nutrition educator, I it was SNAP-Ed funding, which you mentioned, Allison. And I'm guessing most people are familiar with SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as Food Stamps. And SNAP doesn't limit the foods you can buy. 
And so when USDA developed SNAP and, and as it evolved, they wanted to add an education component. So that's where this SNAP education comes in, where it's evidence-based program that helps individuals experiencing low income lead healthy, active lives. So my whole career, like I kind of just fell into that nutrition educator position and my whole mm-hmm. career since then has been uh, with USDA SNAP-Ed funding and the SNAP-Ed funding really has evolved. It started out as direct nutrition education. And over the years, they realized those policy system and environmental changes need to go hand in hand yes. with nutrition education because we can say, you know, kind of like what I said earlier, like eat well and be active. And that's <laughs> not possible in many, many communities. So yeah. I think just being connected with SNAP-Ed and that the target audience is SNAP participants and SNAP-Ed eligible participants, um, that really got me going on food insecurity, you know, right from, right out of college, that's where, that was what I started working in. And when we talk about food insecurity, you know, I didn't really know what that was. And it's you know, lack of consistent access to enough food for a healthy, active life. And um, that's, you know, as we talk about college students, it's that like lack of access um, to enough food. And there's really been movement um, lately with changing the wording. And you mentioned this was, this has been talked about in other podcasts, um, changing the wording of food insecurity to nutrition insecurity, where nutrition insecurity, the real definition is consistent and equitable access to healthy, safe, and affordable foods that promote optimal health and well-being. And I would also add on there culturally appropriate foods, but it's where there's a greater emphasis on not just having enough food, but having enough food that's nourishing and, and helps your body thrive. And I love that expanded definition because um, part of my job, I do nutrition counseling. And so on each person that walks through my door, I do an eating disorder screen, but also a a food security screen. And I start out by asking if they have, you know, access to consistent foods and most will say yes. So then I go that step further and really find out, are you buying the foods that you like and enjoy and that nourish your body? And oftentimes then it comes out that, well, I don't buy meat because it's too expensive or I don't buy fruits and vegetables because it's too expensive and that sort of thing. So um, there, even though we show that, you know, the stats say 31% of our college students are food insecure, I really don't think that captures the whole the whole nutrition aspect of it by far. So I think those numbers are much higher. Yes, yes, definitely. So what is the current reality of food insecurity in Iowa? Yeah, food insecurity in Iowa right now, it is kind of a dire situation, Allison. So there's a couple things um, that are really affecting Iowa right now, some of which most of us are experiencing, right? Like first is the cost of food. We know the cost of food inflation is so high. So from June of last year to June of this year, the average cost of groceries has gone up 12.5%. So that's really affecting food insecurity, right? You can't buy as much food with your money. 
So that's the first thing. Um, the other thing really impacting food insecurity in Iowa right now is that the extra SNAP benefits that were available during the pandemic state of emergency, those expired as of April 1st. So during the state of emergency, everyone's SNAP benefits went up to the maximum allotment. Mm -hmm. And then as of April 1st, they dropped back. And um, I was just looking at up data. And again, from June of last year to June of this year, the average Iowa SNAP benefit decreased 38% each month. So it's... Oh my goodness. I know. So the average last June was $224 per person per month. And now it's dropped to $138 per person per month. And that's an average, but... Combine that with the increased cost of groceries, mm-hmm. that's that's a problem, right? We just can't. That's very significant. Wow. Yeah. And then the third thing um, that's affecting food insecurity, not just in Iowa, but throughout the nation, is that um, the universal free school breakfast and lunch program um, that was enacted during um, COVID, that ended. Um, so... This summer, summer meals, summer lunches continued under the COVID protocol, and now um, there's no longer the universal um, school lunch and breakfast program, the free universal school lunch and breakfast program. And of course, families can apply for free or reduced price meals, but um, that really helped out families. So those three things, the cost of groceries, the SNAP benefits, and then the end of the universal um, free school lunch and breakfast are really impacting Iowans. Yes. And I was just so hopeful that the free universal school meals would continue indefinitely. But just because that is so helpful to ending stigma in the school as well. And so that that this is really, like you said, a dire state. Yes. Yeah. So um, what's the impact of this then, like on the food pantries, food banks, and that sort of thing? Yes, yes. So, well, with SNAP benefits, um, we have seen some uh, some drop in people on SNAP benefits, which is what we don't want, right? We want people to be accessing the benefits that that they qualify for. So in June of this year, um, almost 9% of Iowa's population was on receiving SNAP benefits. So if you think about that, if you're in a group of 100 people, you know, nine out of the 100 people, if it was an Iowan average, are receiving SNAP benefits. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the Food Bank of Iowa, they estimate that almost 10% of Iowans are food insecure. And we know that number is going up because of the reasons we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So food banks and food pantries since April 1st are experiencing record levels um, of food pantry clients. I've heard anywhere from 150% increase from the same month last year to 400% increase of traffic at food pantries, which is bonkers. 
We noticed at shop too during the summer and, you know, during the summer you would expect there would be lower traffic because not all the students are here, but we have a huge international population and they don't go home and, you know, they have their kids here with them. And so we saw a huge increase. However, we did just start using, excuse me, we just started using USDA food. So we're able to order more. So that, might be some of the impact, but we were ordering, um, it went in a month's time that it was somewhere around 4,000 pounds of food would go out and it increased to more than double. It was like 9,500 pounds of food that went out, um, from June to July. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And you know, Allison, as we're talking about food banks and food pantries, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the difference between those two, because I didn't really know until I got involved in this work. We often use the term interchangeably. And in Iowa, we have six food banks and those food banks, they're almost like warehouses, right? Most of the food banks aren't directly serving clients. They aren't directly getting the food to clients. They are gathering foods like from USDA that you mentioned shop does, Allison, Mm -hmm. or they're getting retail donations or from food drives. Um, They are collecting the food and storing the food. And then the food banks distribute that food out to food pantries who are doing the direct service, right? So the food pantry could be a actual brick and mortar building. It could be a mobile pantry. It could be a backpack program. Um, So the food banks are more like the warehouse where it's pallets wrapped in plastic, right? You can't get an individual can out and food pantries hopefully look more like a grocery store, right? Where clients can come in and and choose what they want. So again, in Iowa, we have six food banks and then tons and tons of of food pantries. And those food pantries, you mentioned, Allison, that shop um, really looks like a grocery store. And food pantries provide not, I think in our, our heads, we often think it's canned goods and mac and cheese and peanut butter. And hopefully they have those items, but also meat and dairy and eggs and fresh produce and the things that are most popular um, in food pantries are often the non-food items. So a lot of pantries are starting to um, have diapers and wipes available, hygiene products, feminine hygiene products, household items like dish soap and laundry soap and light bulbs and dog and cat food because all of those items you need for daily life, but you can't use your SNAP benefits for. So pantries are starting to to offer those non-food items. Yes. And we are too at um, shop, which has been exciting because we're able to get diapers through the USDA. And just for folks that, um, because I mean, if you've never ordered from USDA, we go through the food bank. You wouldn't know what that looks like, but it depends. Each time we order, we order twice a month, that list changes. Mm -hmm. And so um, it makes it difficult sometimes to know how much to order because we don't know if that's going to be on the list next time too. But every time, um, every time I've ordered so far, there's been diapers on there. So I get them every time as well. And they go really quickly at our shop food bank or food pantry. And I too didn't know the difference until I started doing this work between a food bank and food pantry. And so um, I'm glad you cleared that up for folks listening because um, yeah, if you're not doing the work, you don't probably really know the difference. So 
No, and Allison, you touched on, um, you know, talking about ordering from the food bank, you touched on, you know, the huge challenges right now for our food banks and food pantries is we're experiencing this huge increase, right? But then it's harder for the food banks to buy food because they're more, it's more expensive and there's supply chain issues, right? Yeah. And then the food banks give the food to the food pantries. Well, usually food pantries pay just a little bit per pound um, from food banks, but it makes it harder for the pantries to have enough food for this increase in clients. And then on top of that, we're seeing lots of new families coming to food pantries that have never used pantries before. Um, DMARC, which is Des Moines Area um, Religious Council, they it's a network of 14 food pantries and like 20 mobile pantries in the greater Des Moines area. And they just released um, a study that was, was called the portrait of a food pantry visitor. And I would encourage anyone to just Google that and go read about it. But one of their, um, one of the pieces that came out of that is that one in three households using a DMARC pantry from July 1st to June 30th of this year so in this last year, one in three had never used a DMARC food pantry before. One in three. So we have all these new families that are using food pantries for the very first time. Yes. And I know that Iowa State is doing some good things. They have some great programs to help. And I'm really excited to learn more about the growing together and then also the food pantry coaching. Could you tell us about those programs? Yes, I definitely can tell you about those programs. And the other two programs um, that I think a lot of people already associate with Iowa State University Extension and Outreach is we do have nutrition education classes to stretch the budget. And then we have our awesome online um, suite of resources called Spend Smart, Eat Smart. Yes. So we have those two. Spend Smart, Eat Smart is um, the tagline is you can eat healthy and stick to a tight grocery budget. And it's for um, people with low income. And it's awesome. It has recipes and how to prepare and store fruits and vegetables. It's it's such a great resource. So we have oh, those I, few things. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to say I absolutely love the Spend Smart, Eat Smart. And I recommend it to students all the time. And the other thing that the students really like, there's an app as well. And so then they can look for recipes right on their phone. So I tell them about the app, but I also tell them to go to the website because there's so many good planning tools around it with like um, how to create a grocery list. And some of there's so many good tools on there to help them be able to do food planning and prep. So I use that and as a resource all of the time. And so we absolutely love it over here in student wellness. Yay. Yeah. I love it too. Some of my favorite recipes are on that, are on spend smart, eat smart. Yes. Yeah. So we have those two, the nutrition education classes and spend smart, eat smart. And then you mentioned growing together, Iowa. So growing together, Iowa is a donation gardening mini grant program. So Extension is awesome because we have offices in every county in Iowa. And so it's great because we have people out in the community who are invested in the community and embedded in the community throughout the whole state. So we're able to do this donation gardening mini grant program where an extension office 
and a master gardener and a food pantry all apply together. So counties can apply and um, they are funded to create or maintain or you know transition a former garden into a, into a donation garden. And um, we provide funding for all the materials to build the garden and we provide nutrition education materials and all the produce is then donated to local food pantries. And it works in rural communities, it works in urban communities. And we've been doing this now, um, we're in our seventh year. And last year, we our gardens donated almost 92,000 pounds. Oh my goodness. Yeah, of fresh produce, along with nutrition education materials. So not only were we providing zucchini, we were also saying like, Here's how to store it. Here's how you can use it, right? Um, and that was in a third of Iowa County. So we have projects. And right now we have projects in 33 counties. And they are just doing an amazing job. And what I love about the program is it really gets counties thinking about food insecurity and raising awareness of, you know, there are big needs in our community. And sometimes Gardens are producing more than their food pantries can even use. So it's like, where else can we distribute this produce and um, accompanying nutrition education materials? So it's at Head Starts or at WIC clinics or at um, low-income housing units. So um, that we just absolutely love growing together Iowa. And I love that it works in any community and in any setting. And every garden looks so different based on the community needs. That is an amazing program. I absolutely love that. And to think that there's even excess and then that you bring it to Head Start or WIC, that's just amazing. Yes, yes. And with that, um, you mentioned food pantry coaching, Allison, yep. which you got excited about. It makes me really excited too. <laughs> so we have um, registered dietitians that partner with food pantries um, to improve the nutrition environment. And when we work with food pantries, we do a pre and post assessment. And we have like six key goals with the food pantries. And as I'm talking, Allison, you, you can be thinking about shop. Um, oh, I'm but, taking notes. <laughs> okay, perfect. So the first big goal, which is the one closest to my heart, is that um, clients are treated with dignity and respect. Um, we often share a quote by an uh, author and speaker named Cy Wakeman that you can't judge and help at the same time. So that clients, when they come into a food pantry, they're treated with dignity and respect because for we know one in three, you know, using DMARC data, one in three people coming in have may never have gone into a food pantry before. So having it be a positive experience Um is so important because we want people to access the food they need so to improve their food security so that's um our top goal is that clients are treated with dignity and respect um the second one you've mentioned this allison that food pantries are connected with a food bank um sometimes food pantries um are not connected with the food bank and they are solely reliant on personal donations or monetary donations. And when you're connected with a food bank, um, you're able to buy food from the food bank, you know, anywhere from nine cents to 16 cents, it kind of varies per pound. So 
I could buy, you know, a $5, 16 ounce jar of peanut butter, or you could order, you know, if I was a food pantry, I could order that same jar for, you know, nine to 16 cents per pound. So there's so many benefits when food pantries are connected with the food bank. And I know shop just recently became part of, of the food bank of Iowa network. And I think that's awesome. Oh my goodness. It has been so amazing. And just like when we order, like you said, like if we put an order of like 5,000 pounds of food, it costs like $500 or something like that. And the amount of food you get for that is amazing. And so it's um, taken a lot of stress off the students to do fundraising and food drives and that sort of thing. Because this is a, you know, shop is a student run organization and it really, um, especially because how much it's expanded is really a full-time job just to do the fundraising piece. So this has helped a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other, the, so those were the first two things that we, the first two goals and the other goals we work with food pantries are that the food pantry offers shoppers a choice in food in, in the food pantry world, we call it client choice where they can choose the foods they want as opposed to like just receiving a box of food. Um, And that, you know, it promotes dignity and respect, but it also reduces like when clients have a choice, it reduces waste because they can choose the foods that they're actually going to eat. So yes, that's our third one. Our fourth one is that the pantry is open at hours convenient for everyone. Um, which means hours during the day, hours in the evening, and hours on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, The fifth one is that clients can visit the pantry as often as they need to. So it's not limited by, you know, once a month or, you know, once every two weeks, but as often as they need to. And then the final one is that fresh produce, which Growing Together Iowa helps, um, fresh produce, nutritious food, and culturally diverse foods are available. So That might look like having other options beyond, you know, peanut butter as a protein source or having more diverse fruits and vegetables available in the food pantry. So those are the six main things we work with, but we just really come alongside food pantries and and encourage them in what they're doing well and support them in, in improving their environment. I absolutely love that. Have you ever, because since I'm new to being an advisor for shop, have you ever come into the shop and done some food coaching for us, food pantry coaching? (laughs) Yes, I have met, I think a year ago, I met with some of the students involved with shop and we talked through some of these things. But yes, Allison, we would love to meet with them. Well, because there's a turnover because we have, you know, once a year we have a new exec team, but All of the things that you've listed out is things that is very close to their heart and what they're really trying hard to do, as well as getting more diverse foods in. And so they're working, we get, we um, are working with Fairway on the off weeks when we can't get food bank foods. twice a month food bank. And then, but we run out of things. And so we will get items from Fairway and they, we just found out they have an international supplier so we can even pre-order some things. And so we're excited to use that service. And then also um, 
this semester, too, the students are looking into the Asian market to be able to expand our culturally diverse foods, which, because as I said, our population of students that use Food Bank are um, international students. So it's super important that we have those foods that are familiar and the things that they like. Yes. And we encourage food pantries when, you know, they have certain um, population groups where they're like, I don't know what we should order. We'll say, ask people. Yes. When people come in, say, what foods would be great to have in here? And and mm-hmm. people will tell you and hopefully you can order those foods. Yes, I know. It's, it's as easy as that. And we also have worked with our multicultural office on campus here to find out to, you know, just because we don't keep, um, we don't have anybody sign in or anything like that. So we don't keep data of, mm-hmm. you know, who's using the food bank. And so this is just, just off of, you know, I would say qualitative data. And so we got a list from the multicultural office of, you know, different foods that Iowa State student population would be more inclined to get. So, which has been helpful. Good. Yes. Okay, so what can we do to help? Yes, well, I think you mentioned this earlier, Allison, but if you are in a clinical setting, um, asking the two-question food insecurity screening, right, where it's you're asked to respond by answering often true, sometimes true, or never true, and the two questions are within the past 12 months, we worried whether our food would run out before we had money to buy more, And within the past 12 months, the food we bought just didn't last and we didn't have money to get more. So I think that is, if you're in a clinical setting and can do that screening, it's awesome. And HACAP, one of the six food banks, they have a partnership with healthcare providers where if a client, if a client screens for having food insecurity and there's immediate need, they provide people with a box of food, um, nutritious food that's been approved by our food pantry coach associated with HACAP. And it also has a list of all the nearby food pantries and how to um, apply for SNAP and how to apply for WIC. So, I mean, that's such a beautiful example of a partnership between like clinics and healthcare providers and local food pantry and the food bank. Yes. And I will put those two screening questions in our show notes too, just so any of our clinicians listening can have those two questions, easy access as well. Yes. And the other things, if you are in a clinical setting, if someone ever, you know, is needing help, just you can refer them to 211. And if you call 211, they can tell you the nearest food pantry. Um, They can tell you about WIC and SNAP and Double Up Food Bucks. So I think just knowing that you don't have to have all the answers, right? But you can connect patients with with 211. And then the other thing um, when we talk about what you can do to help is get connected with your local food pantry. Like find out where it is and ask them what they need. Volunteer there. Um, donate excess produce if you have a home garden and you're going to be growing, you know, late fall vegetables. Like ask your local pantry if they accept um, produce and also um, organizing drives for your local food pantry. And And a lot of times the drives that we encourage people to do are like bigger size diapers and wipes and, and shampoo. Like those are the big things that, that we're seeing our pantries really need. 
I really love the 211. I did not know about this. We have a lot of pamphlets at shop, but I love that this would be so easy. I could make a little sign and put a, you know, call 211 mm -hmm. and to get some local food resources because, you know, there's so many pamphlets out there that I feel like I know anytime I grab a pamphlet, if I'm at a conference or something, it normally stays in my bag. So I feel like this call 211 is going to be super helpful for us. So I've been wildly taking notes the whole time. <laughs> So you've given us lots of really good resources, and I will put those in the show note. But do you have any other ones that we haven't talked about that you would be that you feel would be helpful for folks? Yeah. So when I think about resources that have been helpful for me, um, spend smart, eat smart. Um, that is a huge one. Um, and I've talked about this too. The best resource is volunteering at your local food pantry. If you want to see what it is like at a food pantry. It is so fun and easy to go volunteer. So I would encourage listeners to do that. Um, if you just Google healthy food pantry donation guide, um, the Iowa State Extension and Outreach one will pop up. And we partnered with a lot of food banks and food pantries to produce that, which is the most common foods that food pantries um, need. So that's another great resource. And my final resource, which I'm guessing a lot of people um, know of, is Clancy Harrison's Food Vision yes. Podcast. Oh, I love her. Amazing. Yes, she is just amazing and has such a um, big view of food pantries and food banks and treating clients in such a respectful way. So I've learned a lot from her and her podcast. I have two. And the first I heard of her was the Iowa Academy. We had her speak a couple of years ago. It was during one of our virtual conferences. So it was sometime during the whole mm -hmm. COVID fiasco. We are going to be live here. Just a little plug for the Iowa Academy. We're going to be live with our conference this year in November in Dubuque. But Clancy spoke for us virtually. And, you know, some of these virtual were able to get um, – different speakers, you know, that we wouldn't be able to just because, you know, of travel and all that and expense. So we were very fortunate to have her speak. Mm -hmm. And so then I started looking into some of her things and have listened to her podcast. And I will, um, in our shop exec team, I will put some special ones that I think will really be helpful for them for to listen to. And something about her podcast too, is that they're very short. They're like maybe 15 minutes. So mm -hmm. it it's, I mean, for travel to work, you know, there's not much travel if you live in the Ames area, but so 15 minutes is probably just enough time to listen to an episode. So I will put that in our show notes as well. Yeah. And her famous, kind of her famous talk, she, if you Google Clancy Harrison and TEDx talk, her TEDx talk on food pantries, it, it really, um, opened my mind to what food pantry work could be like. So as you're talking about sharing with the shop exec team, mm -hmm. Allison, that would be an awesome one to share. You know, I will, I don't know if I've seen that one. And so, yeah, especially because when we have our volunteer meetings and because we have a huge population of volunteers, it's almost like a revolving door. So I mm -hmm. think so when we have our meetings for all of them to watch that together, I think would be really good. So um, thank you so much, Katie, for sharing all this information. And I'm surprised we haven't connected sooner because I have learned so much from you and you're right here. Are you right on Iowa State campus or where do you live? 
Yeah, well, I, I am in Des Moines. I'm based out of the Polk County Extension Office. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's why we haven't crossed paths, but um, we're definitely going to have to meet face-to-face at yes. some point, and I will um, be in touch with you too, so we can um, get together and see if you might want to come in and talk to shop again. That would be amazing. I would love to do that. Thanks so much, Allison. Absolutely. And that concludes our show for today. Remember to take some time each and every day to celebrate you. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to check the show notes or eatrightiowa.org if you're interested in learning more about the Iowa Academy. You will find important updates, resources, continuing educational opportunities, many of which are free, job postings, and more. Thank you for listening. The Iowa Academy of Nutrition Dietetics the real nutrition experts.